This is Helping of Happiness, episode number 163. Today we have on Jenny Dildine, the LDS mission coach, and she's talking to us all about how to help return missionaries adjust back to home life. Hi, I'm Hilary Hess, and you're listening to Helping of Happiness. I am a crazy mom of seven kids who loves to build memories through eating delicious family recipes and going on adventures with my family. On this podcast, you'll be introduced to light-filled people and ideas that inspire me to be a better mom and help me bring family closer together and closer to Jesus Christ. Hey, welcome back. So good to have you with me today. I'm super excited to introduce you to our guest, Jenny. But before we do that, I just wanted to talk a little bit, give a little bit of frame of reference to this podcast today. So today we're talking about return missionaries. And these are missionaries that are um, serving for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My daughter has been serving for 18 months as a sister missionary, and she gets home today and I... I could not be more excited. I am so pumped. So as a missionary, they get to call home once a week and uh, FaceTime, but they don't actually get to come home for the whole time that they're out. The girls are out for 18 months generally, and the boys are out for two years. And so it's, it's a really long time when they're away from family. So we've, we've really missed her and she's learned and growed, growed. She's grown so much, and we're so happy that we've been able to share in those experiences, but it's also been super, super hard for her and for us, so we're just so thrilled. So I recorded this with Jenny a few weeks ago, and I'm really excited to air it for you today. So missionary work has been a little bit tricky for missionaries during COVID. There were times they were shut down. They were stuck in their apartments for sometimes months at a time where they couldn't really go do hardly anything except for maybe a little grocery shopping. There were other times when missionaries were out and had to be just sent home from those countries. They'd loaded up these huge jets full of all these missionaries, especially overseas, and brought them back to the U.S. And that was sometimes a reassignment or they'd have to wait or maybe they just came home for good. So there's just been all it missionary work's been very, very interesting just during this whole pandemic. So anyway, it makes it a little bit been tricky for these missionaries to adjust back to home life, even when you're serving a more traditional mission. So I'm really excited to be able to listen to what Jenny has to teach us about how to help these missionaries who are either coming home because they're ill or because of mental health or because of some other, I mean, there's like a million different reasons that could be in or out of their control. So after we talk to Jenny, we have our little spoonful of spirit with Lindy Shock from Enix Studies, where we get to have a little spiritual uplift from her. And then also to finish it up, I wanted to show you just a show you. I wanted to give you a chance to listen to this beautiful song that my daughter Cassidy sang with her missionary companion on her mission called Hold On To Me by Lauren Daigle. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. Hey, Jenny, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I am so good and just so honored that you would come spend some time with us. I cannot wait to talk to you about missionaries because I have one that's almost home and I have one that's getting their papers ready. But before we get into what you do, will you tell us a little bit about you and your family? 
Yeah, you bet. So I'm from Eagle, Idaho, which is, I like to say on the Western side of the state. So not the Rexburg side is what I like to say. Um, I have five children ranging from age 23 down to my baby is 10 years old. So, so fun. My so baby is now big. Oh, yes. They grow so fast. They grow yeah. so fast. They do. I had my oldest two sons so far have served missions for our church, for the LDS church. The oldest served his mission in the Louisiana Baton Rouge mission. Oh, that's right next to us. That is mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah. He loved his time there. And then my second son, actually, he served in the Australia Melbourne mission. Very cool. For seven months. And then he came home for five when they sent all of those missionaries home on the big jets everywhere that because was of COVID. Such a crazy time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy time. So then he was actually, he decided he wanted to go back out and not wait the year like many people did. But his uh, reassignment was uh, five months out. So he actually spent five months at home. And then he served the last year of his mission in the New Hampshire Manchester mission. What a different opposite of Australia. That is amazing. Yeah. So he had quite a, quite a journey, the going, and I mean, he had quite a culture shock in Australia actually. And then, um, then the coming home and all of that, and then the going back out and just trying to find his footing, but he came home. So he's been home. Let's see, since August, he came home. August. Also this summer, my oldest son got married. So we have a new daughter-in-law. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, How which exciting. is super fun. And she served in the Can- uh, Canada Toronto mission. So you just have all these missionaries at your house, all these yeah. return missionaries. That is so cool. How it neat. Cool. Did you serve a mission yourself? I didn't serve a mission myself. Me either. I, my mission mm-hmm. is motherhood. That's what I Yeah, I would have gone on a mission. I wouldn't have had kids so early and wouldn't have all these kids that we have. Yeah. And what I say is my mission is helping the missionaries. That's what I've made my mission. So, well, I'm super excited to talk about this mission. I, I, like I was saying, my daughter gets home in three weeks. So I am so so excited to see her. She's been out year and a half because the girls from our church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we serve for a year and a half and the boys for two years. So I have a son that's getting his papers ready and hopefully we'll have his call in the next month or two. So that's so exciting. So emotions. Oh my goodness. It's such a bittersweet thing to see your Mm -hmm. kids fly, but you're like, Oh, my heart's dying, you know, but I'm so happy you're making these awesome adult choices and doing good things and helping others. I mean, all the things that you want your kids to do, but it's hard. It's been really hard being apart and then just seeing her struggle. It's like, oh, I just want to jump in there and help her. And, but she's done such a good job. I just so grateful that she's, she's grown up. It's been cool. We both have, I guess. It happens. Yeah, it is hard. And I think that's one thing just right up front, since you mentioned it is like, I think, especially as moms, you know, of our church, we sort of think like we have to be happy all the time about our kids serving. 
And it is like, I think it's a real thing like that, that like separation and that being away and not being able to be there when you want to be there. I always just encourage moms to really like, it's sort of like as moms of missionaries, we kind of hold this duality. It's like, I think of holding hands with two ideas instead of thinking I can't, you know, feel sad. Otherwise I don't feel happy or I can't feel happy. Otherwise then I can't feel sad. We kind of have this duality of like, no, I want them on the mission. And this is actually really hard. And to just allow yourself all of that space, like, you know, you get on some of the Facebook groups and stuff and they're like, I know I shouldn't be sad. I know I should be grateful. Or like someone gets on there and has a post that's like, man, I am like crying every day. Is there something wrong with me? And the moms will say, listen, this is a blessing. You should be grateful that they're gone and that they're serving. And what I would say is like, just feel whatever you need to feel. And you're going to have all the feelings. I mean, most of the time, I would think for us, yeah. it's so bittersweet. It's like the best thing ever for that phone call every week. But then yeah. it's depending on how they're doing and how you're doing. And it can be rough. It can be yeah. really hard. And just to allow all of it and just be like, okay, this is part of the mission experience too. This is part of the mission experience too. And not judge yourself or, or berate yourself for anything that you're feeling. Well, you're making me feel way better because I definitely have had my emotions run the spectrum <laughs> all in like an hour's time every yeah. day. Yeah, totally. totally. So, and I think it's so good, at least for us, I've really liked that my, my other kids could see that this is hard. This is not like this shiny sugar-coated thing that you're going to go and yeah, they come home and say it was the best two years or whatever, but that's because they've grown and they've learned. It's not because it was really fun. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. So I think that's 100%. always a good thing for the other kids to see and keep in mind that, yeah, you're going to come be on your FaceTime call with your family and you might be crying every week. That's mm -hmm. what we were doing for a long time. It's really uh -huh. tough. It is tough. There's a lot of really challenging things about it. And what I will say about that, about the mission is that, you know, anytime this concept of like holding space for both emotions, anytime we're going through like transformational growth, which is essentially what happens on the mission. Mm -hmm. Like we actually like change. I like to say even our brains, like our brains are actually different. We're thinking different thoughts. We've experienced different emotions. We've had different experiences. So anytime, like think about when you had your first child or think oh, about when you got married. So crazy. All these huge changes, huge changes. Yeah. There's identity shifts. There's, um, like concept shifts of how you see the world. There's all of this stuff going on. And anytime the mission included that we introduce this like transformation or identity shift, it's going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be. Yeah. And so like, as much as we can is like normalize that for our missionaries, normalize that for ourselves, like that there's nothing wrong. I think it's so important. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you hundred percent. This Okay. I'm just so excited to talk about all this. Okay. So Let's, I'm ready to just dig in, but I guess we should hear a little about you and how you started doing all of this. When did you get into this coaching and what kind of prompted you to get into coaching with missionaries as your niche? Because that yeah. is one that I've really even heard as I've heard, you know, lots of friends that are life coaches, but that hasn't been 
that's kind mm-hmm. of a unique one that I'm really excited about. Yeah. So basically I started like my interest and in my own coaching journey several years ago. And I just remember it was actually coincidentally when my oldest son went on his mission and I was like at the same time, my youngest daughter started kindergarten mm-hmm. and I just was like, who even am I? Like, what do I even want? Like my kids are starting to leave now. It was like very challenging to send my oldest out on his mission. And I just remember like crying all the time and being like, I don't know what I want. I I don't know who I am. Like, I don't know if I even want him on a mission. Like what is happening right now? And I just remember one day I was in the bathroom crying to my husband and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. And he said, maybe you should find a life coach, which was like the only logical thing. Like he didn't even know what a life coach was, but he's like in his mind, like maybe someone who could help you coach about your life. Right. And so immediately I got on and I just started searching like podcasts about life coach. And I found one of my mentors, Jody Moore. Um, and I listened to her first podcast and like literally within seconds, my entire view of my entire life had changed just because of the way that I was then able to see myself Mm. and see my life and know that I could choose a different way to see myself and see my life if I wanted to. So that kind of led me, you know, down the path, like I went to a few of our events and, and then eventually I was like, Hey, I think I could do this. I think I could really help people in this way and become a life coach myself. And, um, it was about the time my oldest son started, was coming home from his mission. And I started seeing like, we'd, by that time we could talk when he first left, we couldn't talk. Oh my we talked twice what a, a year. change. Yeah. I mean, can you believe we did that? Like we I don't know how you did it. a year yeah, talking just on mother's day and Christmas. I mean, that just blows my mind. Cause I've been yeah. able to talk to my missionary at least once a week. And sometimes mm-hmm. it was twice a week or three times a week when COVID was really locked down and right. she needed more calls and they allowed yeah. more conversation. I mean, communication. So right. That I was- can't imagine. Oh yeah. I remember the day the announcement came. I think it was from President Uchtdorf at the time that said, guess what? You get a call every week. <laughs> and I was like, yay, so awesome. But um, I just started observing in him and with all of these tools I'd learned through coach training and all of that, I just observed, started observing in him this dread mm-hmm. about coming home mm-hmm. and this anxiety about coming home yeah. and like not knowing what's next and not knowing who he was going to be. And mm-hmm. And I just started thinking like, you know what? We teach our whole lives. We like encourage our children to go on missions. And we even like offer mission prep classes and our stakes. And you can take mission prep at like many of the schools, the, you know, church schools. Um, But we never teach our kids how to come home. And, um, you know, I know like for me, I was like, I think that this is something I could help with just knowing what I know now and having yeah. all of these tools. And so I went ahead and just like decided I'm going all in on missionaries. I actually started just only working with return missionaries. That's mm-hmm. kind of was my niche. 
but as I worked with return missionaries, I would have more and more moms who had currently serving missionaries reach out to me and email after email after email, like, can you please help with this? Can you, is there any way you can help with this? And I'm like, yeah, I, I would love to, I'd send you know, emails, here's my podcast. Cause they can listen on Facebook. Um, they'd get on my email list. And then the more I worked with like currently serving missionaries in this way, the more I realized we could actually, if we could get these tools to missionaries before they leave, how much impact and how much power that would have, like literally to change the entire trajectory of their mission. And so right now I'm kind of in this, like, well, I do some of this and I do some of this and I do some of this, but um, it's just been like so rewarding, <laughs> like to, to feel like I'm making a difference. I went ahead and I got some advanced training in faith-based coaching tools from Jody Moore. So I feel like I'm just perfectly equipped to kind of, um, do this, you know, that's faith-based with missionaries, with members of our church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to really, um, see, see it and help them, um, in this way up to this point, I've worked with close to a hundred preparing currently serving and return missionaries one-on-one. That's so incredible. Yeah. Ah, what a cool job. I love it. Yeah. It's super fun. And so like, just to see, like when, when you see them and this actually happened with one of the missionaries that was on the mission, I had a call with him and I was talking to him and he had one of those moments that I had, he was like really struggling. He was ready to go home. He was ready to throw in the towel. And his mom's like, can you just hop on a call with him? I hopped on that call with him and he had the same moment that I had years ago in my bathroom, listening to how, if I could just change the way I view this, I can change my life. He was like, wait, what? Like, if I, like, I don't have to be at the mercy of my companion or my circumstances or my mission president or who's asking us to dinner or any of that. Like I can be empowered to create whatever mission experience I want. And it was like in moments, his mission changed, like literally. It's amazing. The power of thoughts. Oh, Mm -hmm. so incredible. Okay. I would love some ideas if you okay. can give us some, <laughs> because yeah. I, I feel like I'm also one of those desperate moms right now. I'm, I'm desperately, I think, especially after having this missionary out, I'm desperate to make sure my other soon to be missionary is ready to go. But mm-hmm. first I need to think about this one that's coming home because that's more emergent in my life. <laughs> yeah. First things first. <laughs> yes. So I would love to talk about that a little bit first, just some ideas to help me adju- help her adjust at home and mm-hmm. maybe even help our family adjust to her being home. Cause it's different. It's like, you know, the whole, mm-hmm. whenever anybody's coming home from school or wherever it is, the whole family dynamic is different when you add or take away a person. Right. So yeah, I would totally. love to hear just some ideas of what what maybe we could do to help her, um, Mm -hmm. just adjust in a more positive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a couple of things. What I hear most often from return missionaries is that they feel like they've lost their purpose. I mean, it's like, if I have a strategy call, which is the call people can get on just for free to like chat with me about something. 
and it's a return missionary. I already know I'm going to hear the words. I just don't feel like I have a purpose anymore. And so what I like to offer here and something you can maybe offer to your daughter or anyone that's listening can offer to their children is that the way the definition I like to think of with purpose is that a purpose is just a thought that it's our thoughts about ourselves and it's our thoughts about the role, our role in the world. So when we're on the mission, we're given preach my gospel and all the other tools, the white handbook and all the little tools that were given on the mission to be a successful missionary. And in that someone gives us our purpose. I think right now it says something like invite others to come unto Christ and the restored church or something like that. But again, that is just a sentence that on the mission, we decided to make our purpose. We decided to believe that about ourselves, believe that about our role and believe that about our role in the world. Mm -hmm. And so when missionaries come home, they're like, I just don't know what my purpose is. I don't know how to find my purpose and what it is. Your purpose is just a choice. It's a choice to think something different. It's a choice to decide what's, what are my thoughts about myself now? What are my thoughts about the, my role in the world now? So I don't like to think about purpose as like something ethereal or out there, something that like God reveals to us. Like we literally get to decide what we want to think about ourselves and our role in the world and what we want to think about, like what we're doing next. We totally get to choose. You have these great little email thread that I've been on from you right now. That's all, oh, about, you know, your three different steps to helping your missionary come home. Yeah. And one of them that one video that I watched was when you were talking about how just helping them be really busy is not necessarily a good thing. Right. We go into that a little bit because that was one thing that I thought, okay, I need to remember this. I need to give her some space when she mm-hmm. gets home and not just book her up. Yeah. So I love that you bring this up because this is like the number one piece of advice I hear from like moms or, um, ward members, right. Or which is not necessarily useful. It's like, just stay really busy, Yeah. go to the temple, read your scriptures, stay really busy, get a job, work 40 hours, whatever you got to do. But what's way more important than that busyness is how we're feeling And that we make enough space to feel exactly what we're feeling. When we get into this busyness, we can just mask Mm -hmm. and kind of put um, all of our feelings like, I'm going to go to work just so I don't have to feel a certain way. So I don't have to feel sad or I don't. And so what's even more important than what you do, this is what I like to say. What's more important than what you do is way more important what you think and how you feel. That is such a great, I love that tip. I think that's so good because I do find myself doing that just in my everyday life. Mm-hmm. Even when I am just way too busy, I don't even realize what I'm feeling because I am just running every direction. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, why am I such a disaster right now? It's because I'm not just settling down and recognizing what's really bothering me and then addressing that and moving on, you know, just feeling it. It's just, is never a good thing. So yeah. I love that so much. There's a lot of missionaries that also 
I think it's hard when they're maybe not serving that full-time mission that they think that they're going to serve, whether they're sent home for illness or they Mm. are sent home for mental illness or like COVID, there was a bunch of people that came home. Mm -hmm. There's, Mm -hmm. I mean, those are not the only reasons, right? There's like a million different reasons why a mission could not maybe be cut, maybe is cut short. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of things do you have to help those missionaries and those mm-hmm. families? So what I find with these um, ones that come home earlier that, than they expected, they have all of the stuff that like a return missionary would have that serve the full 18 months or serve the full two years. But then they have this other piece that is like a lot of guilt and shame about not being able to hack it or not being able to do it well enough. So not only do we have this piece of just like trying to figure out like what on earth, who am I now that I'm home? They have this other piece that's like, what even happened on the mission? Like I actually started working with a a kid recently who he was out like four weeks or something. And like, it was like a conversation with the mission president, a conversation with the counselor. And like, he's like, the next thing I knew I was on a plane headed home. Mm. And so just, they have this, uh, as opposed to someone who comes home, they've done the whole time, right? They feel really like confident and successful about how hard they've worked and how much they've accomplished. These missionaries who come home earlier than they wanted to are left trying to just like figure out what on earth happened. Like what's wrong with me? Why did this happen? A lot of, um, thoughts like, um, was this even got like, I disappointed God in some way, or I disappointed my parents in some way. So as far as coaching goes, there's just a lot to like work through with, with that kind of a, with that kind of thoughts and that kind of mindset and those emotions. Right. What I like to say is there's depending, like, no matter when you come home and actually on the mission too, there's no wrong emotion missionaries who come home. What I see a lot of is social anxiety, depression, normal anxiety, a lot of overwhelm. Those are kind of the big ones. And then they start to think if I feel this, that there's something wrong and there's nothing wrong. You're just a human (laughs) having a human experience and it's all totally fine. I highly recommend actually, especially missionaries who've um, come home earlier than they've expected that they get some outside help, whether that's counseling or whether that's coaching, um, It just, there's a lot more to like figure out and process. They have these unmet expectations and that's a lot to like, and a lot of the questions as to like, why am I home or what happened? All of those questions, we don't really know the answer to sometimes. And so it's just good to have someone to like, think through that, help them regain their confidence, help them, you know, um, decide what their purpose is now. So it's all the same, I think, as a regular Mm -hmm. RM, and I don't want to say regular RM, but someone who's served the full time, except there's just this other piece that feels like either not fair or um, like unmet. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or just sad or Mm -hmm. even just disappointed. 
there's so many different, I bet there, and you know, I really don't think it's even just one emotion, right? Like you were saying, it's probably this range of emotions that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I would also say these ones that come home earlier than they expected is we also kind of have this idea. And I've seen this with many moms to people who support missionaries. They say to me, like, they can't come home. Otherwise they won't be able to keep growing and progressing. Well, and we should never yes, say no, that. That's totally <laughs> untrue because <laughs> we're always growing and progressing. Yeah. yeah. We should never, please don't ever use those words with a return, like a return missionary, no matter when they come home, like the mission's over, we're done growing and progressing. What I've actually find is these missionaries who've been out just six months, they're home. They have more change and transformation and growth, maybe even than the missionaries do just because of what they have to go through like the, the self-compassion, the self-love that they have to tap into way more than if everything was just going magically the way they wanted to on the mission. I, I think that is so true. I think that is so true. Yeah. What a great way to point it out. And I think that that as a friend or even as a parent, I think that's a good thing to keep in our minds too, as we're watching mm-hmm. them kind of power through all of that is to remember that it's probably a really tender time for them. And we just got to encourage, I guess, is that kind of Mm -hmm. what you would say for us that, you know, because I can't do the inner thought work like they can, right? What could I do to support them in finding that path? What I always think is I always think of our emotions as the fuel to what we do. So as often as possible with my children or with these missionaries or with my friends or with my family, as often as possible is if I can create love, then I'll know what to do. I'll Mm -hmm. know what to say. Mm -hmm. And what I also teach is love is not just something that just happens. It's created by a thought. So like, even if we talk about like your daughter, who's coming home, what kind of thoughts do we have about her? Oh, I mean, I just love her so, so much. Right. I'm Mm -hmm. so proud of her and Mm -hmm. really excited for her that she is finishing this chapter and starting something new after that. You know, I think there's something really special about watching your kids grow up and make adult choices. And yeah. And so if we can still keep those thoughts, Mm -hmm. like if she goes through like a depressive episode, or if she's Mm -hmm. like really struggling with social anxiety and if we can still keep the thought, I'm just so proud of her. That creates the love. And then that love will drive a set of actions that will help you know what to say to her and help you know what to do next. What often happens actually is what's called mirroring is like a coaching tool that I use is what happens sometimes is it's actually like a physiological thing that happens in our brain. It's a way that our brain thinks that we're relating to someone else. So if I came up to you and I was like, oh my gosh, I won the lottery. I'm so excited. Like you would meet mm-hmm. that level of like excitement and energy and our brains just do this. So what we have to be careful of is like when daughter's anxious, we don't want to be anxious about our anxiety. Yeah. Yes. And if, if, if <laughs> our, like if our son's depressed, we don't want to be depressed that he's depressed. Or if like our, our daughter's overwhelmed. Like 
it it does no one any good for us to be overwhelmed about their overwhelm. It's not helping that we're taking on their emotions at all. Yeah. Yeah. So if we can just always come back to like, what are the thoughts that create love? What would love do here? And we're not always going to. Sometimes we're going to freak out and be anxious about oh, their anxiety. Yes. <laughs> but just knowing like as often as possible, thoughts that create love will drive the action that I want mm. for these kids. Perfect. I love that. Love that. Okay. Should we go into kind of the pre-mission tips? Should we talk yeah. about pre-missionaries and how to help mm -hmm. them? Yeah. So I actually just taught at a stake, um, mission prep over the weekend. So that was super fun. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a few things, um, with missionaries, especially preparing is some of the things that I would encourage like parents to teach is not what to do. Like people say, people will say I'm going on a mission. And then everyone's like, here's a list of things you should do. Mm, yes. <laughs> and you get advice from everybody, right? Yeah. Make sure you go to like, it used to be, make sure you go to EFY, make sure you live away from home. Make sure you like save the money, oh, make yes. sure you learn how to do oh, the yes. dishes, make sure you read the book of Mormon, all of those things. But more and more this mental piece of being able to like be the observer of our thoughts and know how to fully feel our emotions is way more important than anything we'll ever do. I actually that, love that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> I had my high school senior take the, there's the emotional resilience course yes, that the church so is good. putting on. Mm -hmm. We took it together because I just thought, I wish this would have been out and available for my missionary mm -hmm. that's out because I think that it would have helped in so many instances when she was out there, but he has an even harder time articulating his emotions and his thoughts and what he's feeling. So I'm like, we really need to just understand what all this is. And it was very like introductory. It didn't go mm -hmm. into anything super deep, but at least it gave us a place to start for conversation and how to identify some of the emotions and the you know, just so that yeah. we, if we need to go deeper or if we see there's an area, oh yeah, that is definitely an area we need to kind of beef up on. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that you said that because that was kind of for my little list for my missionary, mm -hmm. that was at the very top. Cause I just thought that that's a tool that he really would need. Yeah. And I highly recommend that. That's an awesome okay. course that the church has put out that, um, emotional resilience is so important. It's this idea that, if we know how to regulate our own emotions and if we know how to observe our thinking, yes, then like literally nothing outside of us can affect us. Mm. We get to decide how we think and feel. It's that, um, like emotional maturity, emotional, like ownership mm -hmm. of what we're creating in our lives. And then if we have a companion that is just really not nice to us. We know how to, how to like manage that, how to think about it, yeah. what, decide how we want to feel. It's just so powerful. I would also say for, um, preparing missionaries to help them just let go of perfectionism. Mm. What I see on the mission tons is they get out there and there's kind of this mindset that you own, like you're only worthwhile or you're only a good missionary. If you're meeting your goals, if yes. 
you're getting yes. the baptisms, if you're getting up on time, even if mm-hmm. you're, do you know, there's all, are of you these... following all these perfect rules? And are you also making all the contacts you should and doing right. all the things where there's a lot and there's the human factor, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you just feel sluggish one day or you feel sick or your companion's totally. sick or you ended up being up late because you, I don't know, something happened, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. yeah, totally That's just giving the way yourself it grace. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that again, that your worth is not based on what you do. Like literally, I think we learn this in primary, right? We're like, I'm a child of God. Yeah, sing the song again. Yeah. And then like when we're in young women's, we are daughters of God. And then An amazing theme. Yeah. Yeah. We get out on the mission or we go off to school, off to college. I work with a lot of just young adults that don't yeah. have anything to do with the mission too. And they're like, wait. I don't really feel like that's true anymore. I just have, I have to meet these certain milestones. I have to accomplish these certain things. And so just helping them, uh, really, and I'm not sure the best way to do this. I mean, one thing that comes to mind is just, again, just helping them see, like, it really isn't about what you accomplish. Even my kids, they just finished their semester yesterday, their high school semester. And my daughter was like, Hey, I got A's. And I was like, doesn't it feel good to work hard? Yeah. Nothing like, and it's so much pressure for them. Right. I mean, it just, and I think we can do it to ourselves as moms sometimes too. There's pressure on everybody. So I really love just take off the pressure and be the best you are and know who you are. I think that's basically kind of what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Know you're a child of God and just yeah. choose the good. Yeah. And one thing I will add to, and I find this like in all stages of the mission, like one of the things I say over and over is like, there's no good or bad thoughts. There's no good or bad thought feelings. And there's no good or bad missionaries ever. They're just humans having human thoughts with human feelings and our missionaries are human too. I think that is another thing that I just, before I was a mother of a missionary, Mm -hmm. I just would never quite remember that. These are just kids that are out doing their best, Mm -hmm. serving people. They're homesick. They're lonely. They're struggling with their companions. Yes. You know, when you just see those missionaries in their nice suits or their pretty Mm -hmm. dresses or whatever, (laughs) and you see them just in their best, right? They're trying so hard. You forget that there's all those that are underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. So I love that you brought that up because there's, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. I actually had a mom message me on Instagram and she's like, my son, I thought he would change once he went on the mission, but he just still doesn't seem as motivated. And he just seems like, you know, it's not like going, I I mean, it's fine. He's not asking to come home, but I think he could be doing so much more. And what I asked her is like, what if it's okay? Like, it's okay. Like, what if what he's doing is enough? Yeah. What if that right there is just a step up from what he was doing before? Then he's growing, just might not be somebody else. Right. Which is totally fine. Yeah. 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 Love that. Okay. You have any stories about how any of these strategies have worked Mm. that you want to share? Yeah. Well, I shared the one about the missionary who was out. 
So that was a really cool thing is like, he literally, his yes. mom reached out and was like, Incredible. he wants to come home. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'll get on a call with him. Oh, and I'd and love now, that you could. Yeah. And then now he's doing great. I mean, he doesn't have, it's not like he doesn't have hard days still, but he, yeah. he has that, those tools now that he needs to, to create the experience that he wants for yeah. his mission. He knows it's not based on stuff outside of him. Yeah. So the other one is a preparing missionary who she, we hopped on a strategy call. I actually had messaged with her mom and she just was having so much stress that she was actually having like physical pain in her mm -hmm. chest. And so in their minds, they were like, I don't know how she's going to serve a mission. Like we, she wants to serve a mission, but it was like, as often does our emotions like manifest yes. in our body. Yes. We and have was migraines at our house that, and I mm. see that all the time. The emotions totally trigger the migraines. Yeah. So after I was able to like talk with her, my program, my one-on-one -on -one program for preparing missionaries right now is <clears throat> 10 sessions. That's my one-on-one -on -one program. Um, after we were able to like work together, I helped learn how to observe her own thinking, the thinking causing the stress and then how to actually, we're never taught this in school, but how to actually feel stress and not resist the stress. It made all the difference for, I mean, we go into so many other things in my program companions and, and all the things, but, um, her mom actually sent me an email Mm -hmm. the day before she went into the MTC in Provo. And she said, Jenny, I cannot thank you enough. The sister missionary has no more chest pain. Oh my goodness. That's so amazing. Yeah. And all just from like tools to manage your mind, feel your feelings, drop perfectionism, create confidence, confidence from the inside out rather than based on things outside of you. She's doing great. So awesome. That is so awesome. Let me tell everybody where we can find you because we need to be able to have these mamas connect with you or these missionaries so that they can hear, yeah. get all these strategies and tools. So I am at jennydildine.com. You can go there to like read articles and find my podcast and all of that. We'll um, have the link in our show notes so they can just click and go straight over there. So you don't have to worry about spelling or anything like that. Be I nice love it. Easy. Okay. And then, um, yeah, I'm also on Instagram. I am Jenny dot the LDS mission coach. I also have a Facebook page, Jenny dash the LDS mission coach. Super fun. If you have missionaries, have them follow me there. My podcast, actually, I post to Facebook so that the missionaries oh, can brilliant. listen yes. on the mission. So yeah, that's because until the last few weeks, my daughter hasn't even been able to access Instagram. So mm -hmm. that's been so helpful to have these things on Facebook where she can yeah. actually be. Yeah. On my website, you can also, there's a link for some free resources I have. I have the three video series It's three videos, a video series for um, tools for return missionaries. It sounds like which you, I've been taking mm -hmm. and I love it. I highly recommend it. It's been okay. super helpful. I'm so glad. I also have just like a free guide for five tips to help your returning missionary, any return missionary. 
anyway, so those are kind of the things. And I also have my podcast, the LDS mission podcast. So those are some of the fun ways that we can connect. Of course, don't hesitate to reach out, to email me with whatever questions uh, you have. Did I already talk about the strategy call? Kind of when we were talking about just very briefly, you mentioned it. So let's talk about that a little bit more so they know what that is. Yeah. So just on my website, you can click on a link for a free strategy call. Um, Basically, when you click on that link, it'll take you to my scheduling page. Click on this, like whenever works for you in your schedule. It's a 30 minute call for preparing missionaries. I've even done some quite a few actually with missionary moms who are like, this is going on with my missionary, um, return missionaries. And we just get you as much help as we can in those 30 minutes, teach you as much as I can. And often they are transformative, just right there on the call. Just that call. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Oh, I love this. This is going to be so helpful to so many people. I'm so glad that we have this resource because there is nothing harder than watching your kids struggle. So Mm -hmm. finding ways to ease that or help them find their way is just just going to be so amazing. Is there Mm -hmm. anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't get a chance to talk about? I think just as moms, again, it is hard to watch our kids struggle, but just remembering like that, that is always in the transformation. There is struggle always. And, and that's been true since the beginning of time. Yes. So we can show up even more powerfully as moms when we know that the struggle's okay. And this is not to say that we don't like jump in and try to help or try to love or any of that, but is one of my go-to thoughts always is like, nothing's wrong here this is true for me. Like when I'm like, I'm having a terrible day. (laughs) I want to stay in bed. Can we just watch Netflix the rest of the day? Nothing's wrong here. And it's one of my very favorite things. One of my return missionaries, he'd been home from his mission, gosh, three years. And he was still just struggling. That's one thing I will say is you don't have to wait a year or two years of struggling. Like just me with me, we'll get get it figured out. Yeah. So he'd been home three years and still just really struggling. And in that first session, I was like, listen, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. We're going to totally, you just don't have the tools that you need. You're just a human having human (laughs) human experiences. Yes. And now super fun. That uh, client of mine has gone on to go to the life coach pool himself. Oh my goodness. How fun has his own podcast has, is, uh, starting to coach clients himself. So it's just like, we can go from, um, really, really struggling to literally whatever we want in our lives. But the first, always the first step is understanding that you're okay, right where you are. There's nothing wrong. Really. I think that really takes my anxiety down a notch as well. When I'm worried about, Oh no, she's struggling. But if mm-hmm. it's, it's okay to struggle, then you're like, okay, now mm-hmm. we can tackle this, not from the anxious perspective, all amped up. We can, we can tackle it in a more constructive, appropriate way. Yes, so. that's right. That's right. Fixing a problem with emotion is never a good thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which is hard not to, but yeah, super important. So, and then here, I'll take it one step further yeah. as a coach is like, And maybe that like, it's not a problem. Maybe there's nothing to fix. Yeah. There's just humans 
doing the best we can and it's all fine. We're just growing and it doesn't feel very nice. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Love it. Emotional growing pains, just like our physical growing pains. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always feel very good. That's right. Well, do you have a few extra minutes for us to do our three helpful and happy questions? Yes, I took some notes, so I didn't feel. (laughs) Ah, So you're not put on the spot. Okay, so I always love to do these because on our blog, we talk about family recipes and our traveling as a family and also family homely hack, (laughs) home and family hacks. Uh And so I would love to get to know you a little bit better in these ways, because this is always just kind of fun to hear what your answers would be. So yeah. For our first question, what is your favorite food or meal? Yeah, I couldn't narrow it down, but what I would say, well, okay. My favorite food is probably chips and salsa. Oh, yeah. That's a <laughs> but good one. I will eat anything Mexican flavor, like all the cheese, the tortillas, the chips, the tomatoes, the guac, all of that. Guac. Pico. Oh, the guac. Yeah, I will. I would eat that every day. I, it's really my favorite. I'm like, the kids are like, we're having tacos again. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Because they're delicious. Because they're delicious. And then we oh. can change it up and make it into a salad oh, or change I it up. I love that about Mexican food. You can have the same basic ingredients and make 20 different things. It's just mm-hmm. the best ever. Love yeah. it. Tostadas or taco salad or burritos or fajitas. Mm-hmm. or It's so mm-hmm. good. We love Mexican food. We just went to Mexico. My husband served his mission in Mexico, actually. Oh, okay. And so- My husband did too. What? No yeah, way. Yeah. Which mission was he in? He was in uh, the Guadalajara mission. Okay. My husband actually travels there for work. We call oh. it Guad. He's off to Guad again. But he served in the Merida, Mexico mission, which takes in Cancun. So we oh, took fun. them back to Cancun and our kids just loved the Mexican cuisine as well. It was just so fun. My four-year-old had guac and chips for every meal that we were there. He just loved it. Can I just say in Mexico, the chips are better? Oh, because they're fresh. They're so good. And also the Diet Coke is better in Mexico. I don't know what they do to it. I'm like, this is really special here. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's so good. We love it. We love Mexico. Aww. So we have, that's so fun that your husband also served in Mexico. I have such a special place in my heart mm-hmm. because of my husband sharing his experience with us. And then yeah, it's, just, it's like an extension of our, our home base is Mexico. Now we love it. So, okay. Well, we're talking about travel. What's yeah. the best trip that you've ever been on or your dream vacation? Our family loves Disney. Mm, I love Disney. <laughs> so as often as we can get to Disney World or Disneyland, we do. And do you we're have a, little a obsessed favorite park? It. Which park do you like better? Oh my gosh. Me and my daughters are the type that just like have to check every single thing off the list. Like we can't just not go to one of the parks. Oh, yeah, do all the things. We have to do all the things. But I would also say one of my very favorite things is we do have a timeshare in Hawaii that we get to every three or four years. Um, and that's super fun. And especially this Christmas, actually, because we've had missionaries and you're going to start experiencing this, right. Is we hadn't had a Christmas all together in five years. I I know we're getting there. I know it'll be at least four years, maybe six years, depending on my Mm -hmm. other boys. Oh, maybe eight years. Oh, I'm dying. Yeah. Yeah. So just this, you know, any time that we can all be together and then we have this new daughter-in-law 
any time that we can be together is it doesn't really matter where we are. That's kind of how I think about yeah, it. I think that's a great, that's a great perspective. Hawaii's on my bucket list. That's, that's on the dream vacation one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we keep defaulting to Mexico, which I absolutely adore, but one of these days, Hawaii. Yeah. I'd be really curious. I think people either love Mexico, like Mexico's the top of their list and Hawaii's kind of down here, or they just love Hawaii and Mexico's mm-hmm. kind of down here, but yeah, it, it, I need to it, try both. I think mm-hmm. you do. <laughs> you should. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. What about a home or family hack? You actually gave us lots of hacks during our chat, but is there anything else? Mm. This is the one I came up with is hire a cleaning oh, service. If you can to that, I was thinking this morning about how kind of over the years I've had one and not had one and had one and not had one, but it just like takes such a load off of my mind to know that my clean, my toilets are going to get cleaned every two weeks. I just, yeah. it's, it's life-changing. So if you can afford one, I highly recommend that. That's my, you know, that was actually <laughs> one of the best baby shower gifts I ever got was my friends pitched together and got me house cleaning yes. for my baby shower. And it was actually when I was moving to Texas from California and I was so grateful because I used it for that deep clean. When you move out of mm-hmm. the house, when you're just mm-hmm. so exhausted. Yeah. Oh, it was the best. It was so, just so a nice. load off. And, yeah. and I used to have a lot of guilt, like my kids won't know how to clean and blah, blah, blah. But at this point, I'm just like, Hey, this is for me. And there is still going to be time when they're going to learn how to clean. I yeah. think you can I have a house make sure and teach clean. your kids how to yes, scrub the toilet. Totally. It always needs to be done. <laughs> that is the truth. Oh, this has been so fun for me, Jenny. I've loved getting to know you and I just feel so much more excited about welcoming my missionary into my house and just feeling like I can help her a little bit more and having someone that she can go to besides just me. Like, you know, Mm, if she needs something, I can have her on a strategy call with you and same with my future missionary. So I I just appreciate this so much. Well, I I appreciate it so much that you've had me on that. This has been so fun to get to know you too. And I just, I've loved this conversation that we've had. Lindy, I'm so glad to have you back. It's been a while since we've been together and it's just so fun to have our little spoonful of spirit segment back here. So what are we talking about today? Um, Today we're talking about Abraham and Isaac. Um, and how Abraham and Isaac parallel Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, their stories. So Abraham and Isaac are a type of Christ, which there's a lot of types of Christ in the Bible, especially the Old Testament. And it's just fun to go through and see how many minute details there are that are similar in types of Christ. So, um, I guess <laughs> well, let's get say, into it. What are you yeah, just dive right in? <laughs> <laughs> let's dive in, dive in and tell me all about it here. Okay, cool. So, um, I, when I was studying it, I knew a small portion of, you know, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, like Heavenly Father was sacrificing, um, was willing to sacrifice his son for the world. But then my husband, he loves the old Testament. He thrives off of it, which is 
Bizarre I, I love to me. it though. I love it. <laughs> so I have learned a lot over our almost 10 years of marriage from him just because he's passionate about the ancient temple. And as you know about their culture, their whole culture was centered around the temple. They built their cities around the temple. They, um, their life was centered around the covenants that they made and the ordinances that they would do. So the day of the atonement, I mean, even Christ, Christ's birth happened in, in Bethlehem because of the temple. Basically they were going to do taxes, but they were, they were, there was uh, also a gathering for the, um, the sacrifice, you know, they had the taxes at a specific time because it was a time of sacrifice. Anyway, all like all of the stories are very much centered around the temple. Um, so one thing that he taught me with Abraham and Isaac is that this specific, there's different, um, sacrifices. Um, and one of them is the, the, the atonement, the day of atonement. And with that one, they would bring their animal and they would bring their animal to the priest and that animal and everybody brought their own animal. So there were some ordinances where that the priest, there was just one animal and the priest had, he, he did a sacrifice for all of the people there for the whole city or for his congregation or whatever. And there were some where they would bring their own animal. And this one, BYOB, BYO, (laughs) (laughs) bring your own animal. (laughs) Uh, And this animal was to, to basically, as far as the law goes, the law said, if you transgress, if you sin, you are to be killed, basically. And so this animal, they would transfer their sins to this animal and then kill the animal. And that was their repentance. That was their atoning. Um, And so when Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, who was his only son, well, he had another son. His only son from his wife that he truly loved or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. it's from Sarah, from his covenant wife. Yes. So he had a a son from the handmaid. So, but to his covenant wife, he, this was his only son. Um, and he was willing to not only sacrifice him, but to sacrifice him for his own sins, to transfer his sins to his son and then kill his son as a atoning. So his son would be, um, I don't, I don't want to say savior, but basically like he would be the one who to take the sins upon him and then die for them. So that that feels even worse than just knowing he had to kill his son. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, like understanding what the what the ordinance was makes it like infinitely more powerful to and and also to make that a type of Christ. So here is Heavenly Father who is willing to take all of the sins of all of his children and transfer them to his son and then have him suffer and die for everybody else's sin like 
the parallel is so powerful when you dive into what it actually means. Um, some of the fun similarities that there was, was one, his conception was a miracle. So Jesus Christ was born to a virgin. It was conceived um, inside of a virgin. virgin. Um, and Abraham and Sarah were old in age. In fact, when both separately, when they were told that they would have a son, they both laughed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there is something in the footnotes that says something like, um, I, I can't remember exactly, but the, in the scriptures, it says they laughed and said, having a son, Sarah or Sariah, she was like having a son right now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they were like a hundred years old. They, it was, yeah. they were, you know, she was 90. They were old. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and this was, this was past like before them, before the flood, they would live many hundred right. years but after yeah. the flood. This was after. And so they, yeah, a hundred was old. And it says that she was past childbearing. Like, so she probably had already gone through menopause. So she was like, I can't have kids. Like, like it was probably like one of those, like, uh, I don't know if you realize <laughs> you the geology that's going on here. Like I can't anymore. I'm not doing that. My body's not doing it. anyway. So, and the heavenly father says when, so Abraham finds out first, he kind of laughs. Then Sariah finds out later and then she's laughing. And the Lord says, basically like, why, why is she laughing? Does she not think that I can do it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole thing is just fun. So their miracle conception is that they, she was past childbearing age and they were both old. So another one is, um, that they were, it was their only begotten. And I actually looked up only begotten and it's not necessarily their only physiological son um it's their loved and precious is what begotten so the only begotten kind of translates in hebrew to loved and precious so they're only the one precious loved son like anyway so their only son um they both carried the wood that was intended for their death so Abraham loaded Isaac up with the wood that is going to go on the altar for his sacrifice and Christ carried his cross. And I'm wondering, I wonder when I read that, I'm like, I'm pretty sure like if you are going to sacrifice your son and it is many of the uh, scriptorians believe that Isaac was older and was in agreement with Abraham you know, and so he was, he was a man, not a child, and he was willing to be sacrificed. And so in my mind, and and this is where the type of Christ really, it's planned out. And it's um, like Heavenly Father has, is doing it for a reason. It seems like if you were going to sacrifice your son, you would be carrying everything. Like you're like, right. I'll just do, I'll do everything. You just, you just go. Just show up. <laughs> but, but instead he's loading him up with the wood 
that he's carrying. And, and that can only be because it's a type of Christ, really. Like if you think of the situation, um, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. So in Genesis in the Abraham and Isaac, it says, Isaac says, where is our, um, our animal? And he says, God will provide the lamb. So, so it's a little bit roundabout that one led like a lamb to the slaughter is roundabout with Isaac because his father says, God will provide the lamb basically to you. And then Isaac or Isaiah says it about Christ um, later that uh, Christ is led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was, he was named by God before he was born. This is the first time I ever really noticed that when I was reading it was this, I mean, how many times have I heard or read that story? Hundreds probably, Yeah. but it didn't even dawn on me until this particular reading this week that they called him Isaac before he was even conceived. So that was really kind of interesting. And it really was the same uh, where God goes to the parents and tells them you goes to both of them and tells them um, you are going to have a child and name him this name him, Isaac, name him, Jesus. Then we've already talked about him uh, being killed as an offering to atone for somebody else's sins. That is another one where they're, that's probably the big one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that with the Abraham and Isaac part. So that's really interesting for me. Yeah. That's a, that's a fun discovery. One, and then the other one we kind of talked on is his father was willing to sacrifice his son because of love. Um, So, and then the last one is that each one inherited all that his father had. So in the Abraham and Isaac, in the later chapters after he's, that experiences behind them and he's older Then it just says that it, um, Abraham gave him everything that he had. And then also, as we know, um, Heavenly Father has promised Jesus Christ everything that he has and we get to be shared. I mean, this is just a side note, but we get to share in that inheritance, which is very gracious. So those are some of the similarities that, I mean, I really only in my mind had one piece of that, but actually studying it and looking at it, it was just fascinating to see how many similarities there were and how deep and profound they were. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also thought about why types of Christ, why are there so many types of Christ? And I, I believe especially in that day, I'm going to, I'm going to parallel or I'm going to apply it to their day or, you know, Christ coming and recognizing that it was Christ, but, and then also in our day. So, so in the old Testament, thousands of years before Christ is born, they have all of these stories that, that parallel Christ and they're taught and, heard and read for thousands of years and many generations. And I believe that was so that when Christ came, they would be able to see the parallels and see it being fulfilled so that they know that this is Christ. But then also for us now, 
reading this, the, these stories and knowing Christ's story, seeing the same parallels and realizing that really was Christ Mm -hmm. really for all, everybody who knows these stories and reads these, these early stories, it's, it's being able to see that, that God was setting things up from the beginning of the world and, and preparing the world for Christ and also preparing for the people who would come after Christ to have the stories so that they can see the same parallels. It was just really fun to learn all of this. It's incredible. And I'm so glad that you're sharing it with me because I did not, I haven't dug this deep into Abraham and Isaac yet. So I think that it's so great. I love that. I feel like I've learned so much from you today. So thank you. (laughs) I learned so much from studying it (laughs) and from my husband. Well, and I think that's what's so beautiful about this is that we can all share the little bits and pieces that we learn so that we can all grow together, not just keep it all to ourselves.